Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Fairmount Plus. What's up, everybody? Before we launch into today's episode, we have a very exciting announcement. We here at the Command Zone are hiring. That's right. If you've ever dreamed of turning your love of Magic the Gathering and Commander into a career, if you want to work with uh, creative professionals in a fast-paced environment that's really rewarding, if you're creative, ambitious, hardworking, passionate... We want you on our team. And one thing, Jimmy, is mm -hmm. that's really cool, I think, is we have a lot of positions open, and it's all the way from people who are entry-level with no experience to people with uh, that are experts in their field that oh, have a perfect. lot of experience. We, we yeah. want people all along that spectrum. I think this is a really cool place to work. Uh, hopefully you would agree. Yeah, I think so. It's been one of the best parts of my life for the last seven years. And if you're looking for a way to get into showbiz, the entertainment industry, online content creation, there is no better place. We very much look forward to seeing seeing everyone's applications. Yeah, so that uh, link is collected.company slash jobs. The link will be in the show notes so you don't have to memorize it or anything. Mm -hmm. But please, if you're interested, if you want to join our team, follow that link, apply for one of the positions or multiple positions, and uh, hopefully we're See talking to you very soon. Yeah. All right, thanks everyone. All right, let's get on with the episode. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. What is up, everybody? You're watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jimmy Wong. And I'm another one, DJ. We are here today to talk to you about more cars. <laughs> DJ, I feel like we were just here like a week ago. Uh, we were. We were. We were. <laughs> we were. <laughs> we were. <laughs> set reviews upon set reviews. It is the year of set reviews. Uh, there are so many cars in As the Commander podcast, we have to cover every single one of them that is relevant to the format. So today is pretty exciting because this is the first time Wizards of the Coast has really combined forces with another world, another IP. It's Dungeons and Dragons time. Roar. A whole set revolving around it and the flavor is intense in this yeah. entire set. Pretty good. I'm I, I'm pretty excited. I'm a, a casual D&D player, so I just recognize some names, but I, I think the way that these cards look, really excited for all of it. But before we get into it, you might want to pick up some of these Dungeons & Dragons cards. You might want to build a sweet new dungeon-themed deck. If you do so, head on over to cardkingdom.com slash commandzone. That's our affiliate link. They'll have all of the cards you need, including the sealed product for AFR and everything else. Just type in that affiliate link. It's as easy as that, and blammo, you're on the page. You're buying your cards and you're ready to go. And while you're there or at your local game store, support Ultra Pro, our other sponsor for the show. We sleeve everything up in Ultra Pro product. We always have Ultra Pro product when we are playing game nights as well. I have these mouse pads at home that are all Ultra Pro. So I... Well, and actually not play, play mats, mouse pads. They're, yeah, yeah. Mouse yeah pads. They're play pads. <laughs> if you're not using your play mat as a mouse pad too, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, exactly. And the final way to support the show is directly at patreon.com slash command zone. Uh, we shout out one lucky patron every single week. So this week's episode is dedicated, dedicated to Jonathan Steinman. Jonathan. You rock. Thanks, Jonathan. Yeah, thank you very much. Okay. 
Whew. So there's a lot of stuff to get through today. I'm really excited though, because if you're a D&D fan, you're probably going to know way more inside stuff about this than we are, which is totally okay. I'm yeah. here to talk about the power level of these cards. Exactly. We're here to see how they play in Commander. But if you do notice something interesting about the lore, the flavor, let us know down in the comments. Jimmy and I aren't experts, but we love reading the comments and finding out more about these cool cards. Yeah. Uh, speaking of cool cards, our very first one is sort of a brand new mechanic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an enchantment class. Let's take a look at barbarian class roar barbarian class is one red mana for an enchantment class and so you pay one mana and you immediately get this first effect if you would roll one or more dice instead roll that many plus one and ignore the lowest roll Okay. So that's level one that you get for one red mana. On level two, you could pay one and a red at sorcery speed to be able to move to level two. You still keep level one. Okay. At level two, whenever you roll one or more dice, target creature you controls control gets plus two plus O and gains menace until end of turn. I, there's a whole nother level. So again, you pay two and a red to get to level three, and creatures you control have haste. Okay. All right. Wow. There's a lot going on here. First off, completely brand new. This might remind you of a saga. And sagas typically move from one stage to the next. Or like level up mechanic kind of. Right, you know what right, I mean? right. A mix um, between the two. Yeah. And it's pretty cool. I love the templating on this. At its base, this is a red uh, enchantment that gives you that first ability. And then it's up to you whether or not you want to pay the extra man to get to the last one. So by level three, you're actually spending one in a red, two in a red. That's five mana plus one for the enchantment. So it's six mana to get to a level three enchantment that says creatures you control have haste okay but i i don't think that that is good but let's move through the certain levels because here's the thing you want this if you are rolling dice if you are rolling dice then you want this card in fact i think you really want this i know yeah you you really want this card and there are a lot of cards in this set as well as through magic's history that do involve rolling dice this is just like clark's thumb but instead of coin flips this is for dice so don't sleep on this card if you get a foil out of this out of a pack this could be worth something someday i think i know okay so I agree. If you are rolling dice, you want this card. Do you want it if you're not rolling dice? Uh, no. No. Because there are a so. lot, and I'm talking a lot, of haste enablers in red that don't require you to pay uh, two installments of two mana and three mana. I know. To get most there. of them are just three. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. And there's a lot of them. You can choose whichever ones you want. And so this is just good for dice rolling. And if you are rolling dice, then that's great. Now, once you want it for a single red for rolling dice, everything else is just gravy. Yeah. It's absolutely. free. It's on there. If you have nothing else to do, sure, give your creatures a pump, give them haste. So yep. Barbarian class is fantastic in those types of deck. Yeah, I think like as far as haste enablers go, my personal favorite is Hammer of Perforos. It's a great little artifact. It's uh, one of my favorites too. It's great. And yeah. it gives you extra utility. It's free, right? So Barbarian Class, again, great if you're rolling dice. And if you are, awesome. There's also a new commander called Vrandis that definitely is a dice rolling deck. And I think Barbarian Class goes very well in that. Mm-hmm. All right, next up we have Flame Skull. This is a very interesting card. It's one red red for a 3-1 creature skeleton with flying... Obviously, it's a flying flame, if you've seen the art. (laughs) Flame Skull can't block. It's okay, though, because it's a 3-1. And it has a new keyword called Rejuvenation. By the way, a lot there are like 50 new keywords in this set. Pay no mind to the actual keyword name. They're like flavor keywords, Yeah, they're flavor keywords from Dungeons & Dragons. Just pay attention to the text here. So, Flame Skull says, when Flame Skull dies, exile it. 
if you do, exile the top card of your library. Until the end of your next turn, you may play one of those cards. And if you cast Flame Skull this way, then you can't play the other card and vice versa. So let's go through this. I play a 3-1, it swings, someone blocks it, it dies. When that happens, I exile it, and then I also exile the top card of my library. If that's a land, until the end of my next turn, I can either choose, okay, do I want to play that land, or do I want to play Flame Skull again, bring it back to the uh, battlefield, and maybe look at the next card in my library if it dies again. Yeah, this is really interesting because on its face, you could get a 3-1 flyer can't block that draws you a card when it dies. Mm -hmm. And if the card you draw isn't that great, then you can just rebuy it, play the 3-1 flyer again. Uh, It is a really interesting design and pretty fun, I think. I think that it's going to see a lot more play in formats where a three-powered flyer is more relevant and Mm -hmm. that recursion is more relevant. But I'm pretty sure that there's some red decks out there that are going to want this kind of effect. Yeah, it's really interesting. I do like the fact that if you have a sack outlet, it's just a three mana sack it. You can sort of dig one card deeper. And the best part is it says you can play it. So if you're just looking to get a land, Flame Skull can come in early, be a little bit of damage. Maybe it dies somehow. I think ideally you're sacrificing it to something. And then that way you can look at the top card. And hey, if you really don't like it, or if it's like a nine mana spell you can't play, just play Flame Skull again. So Interesting card. I think you're right, though. Certain decks are going to want this way more than others, so don't get too excited. It is creature-type skeleton, and there's a lot more of those recently as well. (laughs) We're going to be talking about some creature-type skeletons a little bit later. Uh, Okay, speaking of relevant creature types, we have Hobgoblin Bandit Lord. One red-red for a 2-3 creature goblin rogue. Other goblins you control get plus one, plus one. I like it already. Red and tap, Hobgoblin Bandit Lord deals damage equal to the number of goblins that enter the battlefield under your control this turn to any target any target that's great i'm so used to seeing target creature or planeswalker but this is a goblin lord and that's great it plus ones all your goblins goblins and then it also has this uh incidental like could do a lot of damage it could do anywhere from one to like 50 damage depending on what deck you're playing i know right i've seen cranko decks that you tap it and it just produces like 15, 20 different goblins. And then suddenly this is a way to sort of weaponize that goblin creation. But here's the thing. You don't need to produce 15 or 20 goblins. If you just play two or three in a turn, tap this to take out your relevant creature or Mm -hmm. just get damage through immediately, it ends up being really, really good. Um, This is a slam dunk in Krenko decks, obviously. But like you said, DJ, if you're just playing like Krenko's 10th Street Kingpin or Siege Gang Commander, these all come in with a lot. Muxus Goblin Grandee is another deck that this just goes in automatically and then even like hordling outburst is just a three mass spell that makes three red it just turns goblins. it into a lightning bolt just free lightning bolt there yeah, you go to any On target top. yeah so i think this is a card that even if it does one you're okay with it if it does five you're loving it and if it just sometimes does 20 then you're probably winning the game i actually think that this is this one of the second or third best goblin lords that you can mm-hmm. have i think that uh goblin chieftain giving haste is like one of the best ones uh, nice. out there but this is, is second or third i honestly think that it's, it's really good very good uh if it has haste it's even better because then it can count itself and then just Woo! immediately do some of that damage but yeah there's tons of goblin decks that just this automatically goes 
goes into. So this is like a slam dunk, I uh, think. I got one, statement. and it is going in there for sure. Great. Can't <laughs> wait to lose to that. All right, next up, we have a big red burn spell. It's called Meteor Swarm. It's X red, red, red for a sorcery, and Meteor Swarm deals eight damage divided as you choose among X target creatures and or planeswalkers. So if you pay X is equal to one, this is one red, red, red to deal eight damage to one creature or planeswalker. If you X is equal to two, then it's going to be five mana total for eight damage to X target creatures or planeswalkers. So the rates on this, I think, are actually pretty decent. Um, six mana if you want to split eight damage amongst three things. Unfortunately, it doesn't hit face and its sorcery speed. But I think this has a lot of potential in just those big red damage decks. So we already know that Torbrin, Thane of Redfell, is all about that. Obosh, the Prey Piercer, if you pay five or seven mana for this, then you get the odd CMC effect or mana value effect. And my favorite, Torolf, God of Fury because oh, this yeah. over it sort of tramples the damage so if you have like a one one on the board you pay four mana for a meteor swarm deal one damage to that seven mana just goes somewhere else seven damage to something else one damage there and whatever kills it, it just keeps going on and on and on and so you could actually kill like three think, four things with yeah, a meteor swarm that, that seems deck. like the deck this seem does seem pretty narrow like only a few red commanders that deal damage around will want it but when you find that commander mm -hmm. you know it ends up being pretty good yeah, similar to the goblin stuff, you need to be in a damage-dealing deck that wants to cast spells. Yeah. Maybe give you a reduction on them. Maybe it could also be in, like, your Mizzix of Ismagnus type deck. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Okay, next we have Minion of the Mighty. It's one red for a 0-1 Cobalt with Menace. Uh, pack Tactics. Whenever Minion of the Mighty attacks, if you attacked with creatures with total power six or greater this combat, you may put a dragon creature card from your hand onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. And it stays there. Woo! So you're just cheating the mana cost on a dragon as long as you have six or more power with the combat. Now, Minion is a zero one with Menace, which is just hilarious. It's hilarious. Cobalt. I mean, of course, it's a Cobalt. Yeah. Of course, it's going to be a zero one. Feels like Rograk a little bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I feel like it's not that hard to get up to that six power, especially if no. you already have another dragon on the battlefield. One thing, though, is that as soon as you get a dragon onto the battlefield, cheating another one into play doesn't doesn't do as much. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think people look at this and it's like one mana. It can be swinging on turn two or on turn three. And right. like, I can cheat, really cheat stuff into play. Uh, this is more going to be for commander, actually, because yeah. it, it allows you to snowball bigger than your opponents do. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you get a dragon down in the mid game and then suddenly this is attacking with it and then you can snowball into bigger and bigger dragons. Yeah, um, you're definitely not turn one, turn two in attacking and getting a dragon out. People but have talked about that, though. Like, yeah, uh, I'm sure there's plus three, plus three, plus three, plus three. Look, you're, there not, are, <laughs> you're not playing those cards in your dragon deck. I hope you're not. At least. I think there's a turn three kill. With the it, with the plus three plus two onto it. Oh, nice. Yeah, you play this on turn one, and then you put two plus three plus twos onto it. It swings with six power, and then you put uh, the double striking dragon, nice. and that's 20 damage on turn Four. two. Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, now, that's so obviously a standard <laughs> playable type thing, or maybe a historic thing. Meaning of the Mighty, though, I just think goes into any dragon deck that has big creatures in it. And, you know, again, with four, player, th four players at the table, there's probably going to be someone you can swing at with the minion where they don't just block it and kill it. For sure. Because it has menace. And that's actually really valuable, I think. I, I also think that you need to make sure to pay extra attention to your card draw because this is this is not this is an enabler mm -hmm. you know what i mean like it's not doesn't do anything on its own you know so this is kind of a i don't know like a ritual or some way to cheat your dra your re relevant dragon right. to play so you need to be able to have the dragon have this and then have enough uh mana or enough um cards in hand to be able to cheat more dragons into play yep 
but really interesting card. Uh, I can't wait to just get thwomped by it someday, I'm sure. Someone's going to swing with that and a couple other things, and all of a sudden, a very scary thing will hit the battlefield. Udvara Hellkite. Yep. Speaking of uh, dragons, Orb of Dragonkind is our next card. It's one in a red for an artifact. You can pay one mana, then tap this artifact to add two mana in any combination of colors. Spend this mana only to cast dragon spells or activate abilities of dragons. And then you can pay red and tap this to sacrifice the Orb of Dragonkind to look at the top seven cards of your library. You may reveal a dragon card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Oh my gosh. It's a dragon mana rock that fixes you. And when you don't need it anymore, it lets you get more dragons. Yeah. Uh, I think this is a slam dunk. I think it feels awesome. Mm -hmm. I think that it goes in tons of different dragon decks. I mean, a lot of times uh, in those sort of these tribal kind of ramp spells, I don't like them as much, Mm -hmm. you know, because it feels like I'm, well, I'm not able to ramp into my other spells, my kill spells or my other ramp or something like that. But this feels like it has enough upside that I want to play with it. Yeah. And it only costs one to tap it and then you get two mana back. So you are gaining a mana. So this counts as like an artifact that it's almost like a signet, right? Yeah. Uh, But in this case, it's just dragons. But the nice thing is it says dragon spells or activate abilities of dragons. And then you sack it to find a dragon card. So if you're in a changeling deck, then this counts all of that. (laughs) This counts crib swap, blades of Velisvel, anything that says tribal instant changeling. This actually counts as a dragon spell. So it's kind of cool. So if you do have a deck that fits into that very niche category, then the Orb of Dragonkind is for you. Another thing that I really like about this card is that if you have a dragon deck out there, even if it's a five color one, there are really strenuous mana requirements on your mana base. Right. Because a lot of the best dragons are red, but then you want to play these other colors too. So you feel like you're base red and then splashing four other colors, which can be really stressful. And especially if you don't have a lot of money to make your mana base completely perfect, this fixes it because you're, it's in your main color. Your mm-hmm. main color is red and you can play it and then sort of morph your mana into other things to be able to cast that Ur Dragon or be able to cast that Ojitai or something yep. like that. This 100% is like the Tiamat deck right here. Yeah, for sure. Because so many dragons in my, even my Teamer Dragon deck are like three, red, red, red. And you're like, how am I ever going to cast this? I have mm-hmm. to make sure that I have enough red lands, but I also need blue and green. So, Orb of Dragon Kind seems really good. Not to mention, I think just paying one red to sacrifice it, that's a great rate. And seven cards to find yeah, a dragon. You're going you to hit a, a dragon. You're going to hit a dragon in those decks. For sure. All right. Uh, next, we have a kind of um, a, a PSA, a little bit of a warning. We have Wish. Two and a red for a sorcery. You may play a card you own from outside the game this turn. Um, no, you can't. You, have, you cannot. You, no, <laughs> uh-uh. Don't think about it. Not in Commander. You don't have any sideboards. Even though you do own cards outside the game, um, sorry, you can't. Yeah, big sorry. Uh, now, of course, there are some playgroups. And they... Are we one of those playgroups, Jimmy? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm like, can I start because playing Wish, Jimmy? <laughs> I would be playing every Wish in my deck to be like, cool, let me just go search from my entire he just, he just collection pulls out his of binder. cards. He's yeah. like, a Wish binder. Yeah, I mean, the, the reason that these cards are balanced in other formats is because they have 15 card sideboard, so you can only put certain things in there. But yeah, Wish is definitely just uh, not for commander players. Uh, you Wish. We just we just wanted to give you a, like a heads up about that because there might be there's newer, always some confusion. Yeah, there's always going to be some confusion about that. Okay, next up is Zorn X O R N for two and a red. It's a three two creature elemental. If you would create one or more treasure tokens, instead create those tokens plus an additional treasure token. Okay, Ooh. all right. 
right. Extra treasure. Oh There's God, so much treasure generation. I think wizards looked at treasures and went, wait a minute. Here's a way we can give red ramp and white ramp and blammo. Here we are. Now, there are so many cards now, and there will only increasingly be more cards in the future that create treasures because this is just the perfect little space design-wise to be able to give two colors like red and white to give them mana ramp. So Zorn is great. This is a uh, an awesome card that if you are a red deck that's mono red, has a lot of treasure generation, this will do work. This will do tons of work. It'll almost feel like you're putting another land onto the battlefield, but really you're just putting two treasures. Absolutely. So just imagine things that just put a single treasure on the battlefield, like Dockside Extortionist. We mention that card all the time, how great it is, but it just generates lot. one extra treasure. Yep. Who cares? You know what I mean? But what about like Smothering Tithe? Oh, just every <laughs> time you get two <laughs> or like monologue attacks yep or goldspan dragon or um captain lottery storm or magda brazen outlaw uh prosper tomebound the new oh, rakdos yeah that for sure nuts um revel and riches tireless provisioner tireless provisioner like green yep. needed that yep yeah well <laughs> look green has so many things that that it, i'm just sick and tired of it but i am happy there are so many cards here we wrote a lot more down storm artist strike it rich becomes really good with this sees the spoils galazeth prismari and then there's also the academy manufacturer oh that's a different level too because you know, you create other stuff and then it like balloons and gives balloons. you food and clues at the same time or and you generate those treasure. other ones. Yeah. I love that like token matters deck that's like all those artifacts synergized together. It's so yeah. cool. Yeah. Like so Zorin is just a great card, I think. Um, it's elemental, so that will matter for some decks. But the main thing here is that you do want to have, I would say in your deck, at least like five to ten treasure generators or ways to do so if you're going to play Zorin. And you hope definitely need work. a critical mass, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. But unless you care about elementals and just have the ability to put into a three mana three two slot without sort of deteriorating your deck, but yeah, you definitely want to have a lot of different uh, treasure generation for sure. All right, next up we have you find some prisoners. Wow, another like this yes. card too, man. <laughs> I love this card. You find some prisoners. It's one in a red for an instant. Choose one. Uh, break their chains. Destroy target artifact. Very nice. But. Classic, great stuff. Uh, you can also choose interrogate them. Exile the top three cards of target opponent's library. Choose one of them. Until the end of your next turn, you may play that card and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast it. Wow. So you wrote this as a reverse anticipate. In red? Yeah. I think it's awesome. I love stealing other people's cards uh, and that's some card selection right there. Like mm -hmm. you can go in and find exactly what you need, but the baseline of destroy an artifact is just solid. Yeah. I think this is by far one of the best cards reds ever gotten printed. Just like, right. It's, I would put this in the same conversation as like the Jessica's wills types of cards. Ooh. Now, obviously Jessica's will is way, 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 way better, but this is an instant speed card that gives you two abilities. And both of them are very relevant. If someone tutors to the top of their library, you just get them. <laughs> because in their <laughs> upkeep you awesome. find some prisoners and you snap that card from them and then you can play as though a manner of any color you have until the end of your next turn so you can even play it on your turn because you're going to have a whole turn cycle including your own next turn to play or you can play it on the end step and have all that mana open i feel like if you're playing a paco and halden deck or a stolen strategies type strategy or a tali primal storm this is just a card that works in all of those very well but honestly i would put this in so many decks this counts as two different things. It's card advantage as well as single target removal, and it's at instant speed, and it's only two mana. I love this card. I love it too. 
I think that is great. Yeah, I, I expect now, I don't know if this is true or not, but I expect to see that card get played quite a bit. I also expected to do, it's one of those cards that works really well in Limited, really well in Constructed, and I think also really well in Commander. Mm -hmm. So I'm all for it. Okay, next up we have a very scary looking Planeswalker. It's Zariel, Archduke of Avernus. So scary that her whip is actually on the text. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Like, I'm the Archduck of Avernus. <laughs> Two red red for a legendary planeswalker, Zariel. It's got four loyalty when it enters. Plus one. Creatures you control get plus one and plus O oh and gain haste until end of turn. Or zero loyalty for create a 1-1 one, one red devil creature token with when this creature dies, it deals one damage to any target. And the minus six, you get an emblem with at the end of the first combat phase on your turn, untap target creature you control. After this phase, there is an additional combat phase. All right. Um, so when evaluating Planeswalkers, we really want to focus on, you know, the immediate pluses and minuses to sort of find out what's going on because those ultimates are oftentimes pretty hard to get to. And there's no guarantee it's going to stay alive by the time it gets back to your turn. Exactly. Uh, the plus one is is pretty solid. You know, I activate that ability on my Kenrith all the time to be oh. able to like plus one, plus O oh, and, and sort of give haste. Granting haste is pretty good mm -hmm. but again we have more reliable ways to get haste sometimes if you want haste you want haste through the whole game yeah do you know what i mean uh you want to play your haste enabler early and then curve out into things that are bigger and bigger when you're playing zariel and you tick it up immediately what else just entered the battlefield that you could grant haste to Hmm, like not very many things right yeah yeah so in order for that uh, plus one to really work you have to make sure that it lasts all the way around the table and then you can play a creature and then you right. play something really good with haste so i don't think that it grants haste reliably enough for those decks that need it mm -hmm. to count in that area another way we evaluate planeswalkers is how well can they protect themselves so do they have a way of reducing a creature on the other side or creating a blocker and in this case the zero ability it's cool that cost zero creates a one one red devil creature token uh, technically this can trade with a 2-2 because it deals one in combat and then when it dies it deals another damage but in general not the best um, yeah, it's, it's like a one it's a one mana card uh, that we've seen yeah. in other areas and also it's a one mana card that no one plays in commander yep yep and if they do it's incidental because a card makes it so yeah. Zariel Zariel is okay I think um, I think you're going to want to find... This is one of those Planeswalkers that it's not like Elspeth, Sun's Champion, where it's just a board wipe and makes or it makes three one ones. It's just good no matter what. It's one of those Planeswalkers where you really have to find the synergies, I think, with your commander or with your deck strategy for it to make a good case to be included in your deck. Uh, I agree completely. Um, so if we are here, let's look at the ultimate. It's a minus six, so you can plus it up twice and then minus it. Mm -hmm. That is a very powerful ultimate. You yeah. know what I mean? Getting extra combat phases. One thing that's really interesting, though, is that it only untaps one creature. Mm. It kind of, like, encourages you to go wide by putting those devils on the battlefield and giving plus one, plus to all, all, your creatures. To all of them. Right. But then for the extra combat, it only selects one creature to untap. Ah, so it's a little bit of a non-bow within itself because it, you know, but at the same time, maybe that's how they're trying to balance it. Yeah. Typically, though, when you're getting extra combats, um, you're spending a whole card to do so. So I think if you have Zeriel out and you can get her to ultimate, either you doubling season or Vorinclex this in a red green deck, which likes to beat face with creatures and get extra combats, then maybe that's an interesting case where you're playing this because you're already going wide. And so she'll come down plus one and that's going to be really powerful. 
or you know that you're going to have a Vorinclex monstrous raider out or a doubling season and you're making tokens or whatever it is and already and Zeriel comes out and just says cool immediate give me two combats i'll tell you what i actually own the exact deck that this goes in oh yeah like i'm gonna play Zeriel for sure i have an is it planeswalkers matter like a sort of walker hmm. strategy but it also plays polymorph so they care about ah. planeswalkers that put uh, creatures onto the battlefield just awesome. like this one does and then also you can polymorph into something big and stupid and then this gives it haste nice okay so this is perfect in my very narrow <laughs> is it is it walkers polymorph deck yep Great. Well, I'm glad that it fits there. I'm sure someone out there is going to be clamoring for this as well. Let us know, of course, in the comments what deck you think would fit perfectly uh, for Zariel, Archduck of Avernus. Archduck, I love that, Jimmy. It's so okay. great. <laughs> We're going to take a very quick mid-roll break to hear from our sponsors, but when we come back, don't step away or move away or turn off your headphones. Can you turn off headphones? Uh, because we're going to be talking about blue and to see how powerful it is in Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. We'll be right back. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Next, we have the Black Staff of Waterdeep. It is one blue mana for a legendary artifact. You may choose not to untap the Black Staff of, of Waterdeep during your untap step. Animate Walking Statue. One in a blue, tap another target non-token artifact you control becomes a 4-4 artifact creature for as long as the Black Staff of Waterdeep remains tapped. Activate only as a sorcery. Okay, this has a lot of text on it, and... I'm unimpressed. Just going to put that out there. Three mana, make an artifact a 4-4. Okay. So any artifact, right? It could be a 1-1, one, one, but, a but it needs to be a non-token. So it's not oh, your, treasure, not so it your treasure, treasure, not your thopter, not your servo. Ew, interesting. But it so. can be like your artifact lands. Okay. And then it's an indestructible 4-4, four, four, but yeah. then you lose a land as well. Yeah, I don't mm. like that. It could be like... A, an equipment maybe that you need to just have be a little more useful but blue is pretty useful on its own anyway yeah blue isn't really in that either so this, i don't think that you're playing ornithopters to be able to make them into four fours yeah. you know what i mean yeah 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 you and made then, a good comparison here to rise and shine which was our preview card yeah and, and we went in deep about what we want out of a creature like transforming mm -hmm. an artifact into a creature and we basically decided that two mana to make something a four four 
is just not good enough. Mm. We just, we, it has fringe case scenarios, you know, where me, we might need to threaten a planeswalker or block yeah. or make sure Craig doesn't attack us with infect, things like that. But for the most part, we like rise and shines overload. This right. doesn't have an overload. And it only does one at a time at sorcery speed. So you can't even get someone with like a surprise four, four blocker. If they swing at you, I was thinking about that. I was like, Oh, maybe I can turn it in. No, mm. I just, I don't like, but here's the one thing that I do like. Okay. And a lot of times uh, th when you want this effect, it's on an enchantment. It's on um, a spell, you know, it's on not an artifact. I and see. so a lot of times when you, you might dilute your strategy, dilute it with um, different cards that are not the type that you care about. And this is an artifact that cares about other artifacts in an artifact matters deck. That is the one thing that I really see going for it. I don't really see much else going for it, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, you did write that there could be an interesting combo where you turn like a mana rock, like a Gilded Lotus, into a creature, and then you have a, a card that says untapped target creature, and so you can use the Gilded Lotus multiple times. But I feel like you also have a lot of cards that say untapped target artifact that you could be doing for the same effect. It's true, you do. So it doesn't seem too impressive, but if someone is managing to break it out there, let us know. I would love to be proven wrong in this regard. All right, next up we have some awesome art. It's the Demi-Lich. It costs blue, 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 blue. That's right, four blue pips for a 4-3 skeleton wizard creature. And it reads, This spell costs blue mana less to cast for each instant and sorcery spell you've cast this turn. Ooh. Whenever Demilich attacks, exile up to one target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard. Copy it. You may cast the copy. And you may cast Demilich from your graveyard by exiling four instant and or sorcery cards from your graveyard in addition to paying its other costs. Ooh, this does a lot of stuff. Yeah. Very prohibitive mana cost, but all you have to do is cast some instants and sorceries. And it goes way down. Yeah, it goes way down. It could be free. Could be free, although four instants and sorceries in a turn means that you're probably dropping a lot of like quickens and smells that cost just one mana in order to get there. You're right. You're paying you're playing like four yeah. cards in four blue anyways. The hey, this free. does need to attack to do so, but you do get to rebuy an instant or sorcery card every single time it does attack, uh, which is pretty good. Obviously, there are a lot of there's a lot of instances of sorceries that you'd want to be doing this with with the Demulich, and it's interesting because you can also cast it from your graveyard, but you have to exile four instants and or sorceries from your graveyard, and so you're going to get rid of the cards that you'd probably want with the Demulich to be exiling. So I feel like this is just in straight up the spell slinger decks, nowhere else. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're not you're you're cheating mana cost by being able to play spells and get this out for free, but the spells that it's sort of flashing back are, are not free. Mm -hmm. So it does kind of feel like it goes along in the same deck that a Snapcaster Mage might go along. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Uh, another card, Ethereal Forager. Mm -hmm. That's the, that's the blue whale that also lets you delve away some, some instants and sorceries. Yeah, yeah. And so if you have that style of deck, that heavy blue spell slinger deck that also has creatures to come onto the battlefield to pressure your opponents and give you value over and over again, I mean, Demolich sounds like it's pretty, you know, sturdy. You know what I mean? Hard to get rid of. Good value every time. Yeah. And the main thing is that it doesn't have haste. So every time you cast it, you have to wait. But maybe you're playing red uh, with like a Riel the Everwise or Calamax the Storm Sire. Or, uh, and then that way you're, you will have a lot more things that you can be, you know, casting and hopefully getting out the Demolich. I would say if you get the Demolich out for two blue mana, blue, blue, that is, that is like the ideal sweet spot. Because trying to get past that means you're using a lot of mana just to cast those spells so that's a lot 
Yeah, I think that the best spell that goes with this is Frantic Search mm -hmm. or any other free spell, honestly, because it can sort of get you that mana. Because with just a Frantic Search, you can have a spell, so it reduces it by blue. You have all of your mana available. Mm -hmm. You're pitching things in the graveyard. Demolich wants things in the graveyard uh, anyways. I like that. And if you are more than one color, you can tap extra blue and just untap that stuff right. in order to like get the blue that you need to get to Demolich levels. Yeah, because blue, 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 that is a very <laughs> hard spell to cast unless you're in mono blue. Yeah, for sure. But I like it. Yeah, I like it too. But do you know what I like more? What, Dragon Turtle? Dragon Turtle! Dragon Turtle, we did it! Uh, are we sure we're not in Ikoria? This is one blue blue for a 3-5 creature, Dragon Turtle. It has Flash and Drag Below. When Dragon Turtle enters the battlefield, tap it and up to one target creature and opponent controls. They don't untap during their controller's next untap step. So it, this comes in at flash speed and locks down the creature your opponent controls, but it also locks the Dragon Turtle down itself. Maybe the Dragon Turtle, is, it's like a ship. He's like biting into the ship. And while they're biting into the ship, no one can do anything. I think this is great. And I love the, the flavor on it too, that they're both tapped. Uh, I think that if it wasn't tapped, then the flash would make it like a really solid two for one and it'd be really actually quite good. It's also, yeah, a great blocker. It's a three mana three five. That's like very much not on rate. In fact, that's, that's, that's not nice for that's especially solid. for a, a blue creature yeah um although uh, this frost links effect this uh, effect that it just locks it down for a single turn that's not a real commandery thing right mm -hmm. it's it's tempo but tempo when you have two other players that you can't impact the tempo of doesn't work as well yeah um and, and, but the nice thing is that it's a turtle so I wish it synergized better with Arkelos. So Arkelos says that you can either have permanents enter the battlefield tapped or untapped, but this trigger says when Dragon Turtle enters the battlefield, then you tap it. So Arkelos doesn't actually care. It, the Dragon Turtle no. still is able to do it. So Arkelos is a turtle too, isn't it? Yeah, I oh, know. Man. I want all the turtles to work together. But apparently we're getting more turtles, it seems, like with a Dragon Turtle this time around. And we, there has like been a turtle in every set. So maybe the turtle tribal you know tmnt type deck is there and it's going to grow to be a real thing soon i love the turtle uh subtype right there but dragon is clearly the more relevant one right i mean there are decks out there that play icefall regent that mm -hmm. does lock something down you know kind of permanently but uh if people are playing icefall regent they might also want another dragon that's cheap to cast that uh helps you out with your tempo game in this case it's also a turtle love that <laughs> keep your eye out I, I feel like we're getting a lot more turtles <laughs> jimmy's jimmy's Slowly. calling his shot more calling turtles. my shot yeah and then, they're, and then I'm going to have them all altered to be the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's going to be a whole deck. Next up, we have Mind Flayer. Three blue blue for a 3-3 three, three horror. It has Dominate Monster. When Mind Flayer enters the battlefield, gain control of target creature for as long as you control Mind Flayer. All right. Shut your thoughts and let my will flow through you. Pretty intense. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's not much to say about this because we've seen this on Sower of Temptation. Mm -hmm. And Sower of Temptation has been a pretty solid card played in decks that want it for a really long time. Yep. Uh, it also costs one less mana and is a flyer, so it has a bit more upside. <laughs> Jimmy, stop. <laughs> but this is still a creature enters the battlefield and takes over a creature, uh, which yeah, means that right. if you have a sack outlet, you can get rid of the thing you steal. But more importantly, you could just flicker this. It's in blue, so you have a lot of ways to do so. Brago is, I think, a great thing, plus a sack outlet. You could be stealing something every turn with this and the sower, so you have redundancy there, maybe. 
uh, Baron Master Wizard has you sacrificing things to, to interact oh, with nice. your opponents. So you can steal something and then sacrifice the thing that you stole. Yeah, or um, you can play it with braids. Or Yeah, I have it, it in braids because I let you put something stupid and big onto the battlefield and then I ah. take it with a mind flare. Nice. Yeah. And then Marchesa of the Black Rose also loves taking things and then keeping them for yourself. The, the only thing about this is that the creature doesn't gain haste when you steal it. So... You got to make sure I think you have a sack outlet. Also, if your opponent has a sack outlet, good luck trying to mind flay them. Yeah, for sure. All right, next up we have Mordenkainen. I hope I pronounced that right. This is apparently a legendary figure in the D&D world. It's four blue blue for a five loyalty planeswalker, and it has three abilities. Plus two, draw two cards, then put a card from your hand on the bottom of your library. Minus two, create a blue dog illusion creature token with this creature's power and toughness are each equal to twice the number of cards in your hand. And minus 10, exchange your hand and library, then shuffle. You get an emblem with you have no maximum hand size. Okay, six mana Planeswalker. So this is the top end of Planeswalkers. I think only like the Garricks and the, the Karns and Ugins get above this. Six is sort of like where the, the big daddies and mommies typically end up. Sure, and the big dogs. Big bog, yeah, yeah big, big dogs. dogs indeed because <laughs> the minus two here makes a really good boy. But let's talk about the plus two first. So you draw two cards and you put a card from your hand on the bottom of your library. This is surprisingly good because uh, we've seen Jace's sort of brainstorm thing be better than drawing a single card even though you're up a card mm -hmm. because of the filtering that you have this gives you similar levels of filtering drawing two and being able to put something irrelevant that you don't need on the bottom uh, is better than just being up one card so that's uh, that's solid yeah and not to mention typically with the brainstorms those are made better because you draw three then you put a card on to the top of your library and then you want to shuffle it away somehow so this putting a card in the bottom of your library is good it means that you don't need to redraw it uh, yeah, you're always getting too deep every single time yeah that's actually pretty interesting and let's talk about that minus two let's say you have five cards in your hand his minus two makes a 10 10 that's very like you have five cards in your hand often in blue decks, yeah. right? Like you could regularly have that, and then you have this big 10 10 dog. Yeah, now that's protection blockers. Yeah, this is definitely protection. Um, and it's a dog, so who's gonna swing at it, right? Who who would dare approach the foot of Mordenkainen when his good boy's in the way? <laughs> um, and I would say the ultimate is obviously a this should win you the game type card. It's um, hilarious too because the the dogs then can be huge, even huger. Oh my gosh, yeah, it could you know be like I mean? a, a like a hundred forty, hundred forty, right? Yeah, if you exactly. Draw Seventy cards or whatever. So if you have that thing, uh, but here's the thing: if you minus ten it, like you should be able to win and draw your deck, so you have counterspell backup as well. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. just a ton of different ways. So you have I win the game as an ultimate, but that's not a really unique ultimate for a six walker, six mana planeswalker. Uh, the plus is a great card draw ability, and minus two creates like pretty chonky boys even if it's like a 4-4 and you only have two cards in your hand that's still better right remember we were talking about uh the other planeswalker and it makes a 1-1 one, one. Mm -hmm. so the fact that this could be and it could this could be anywhere as long as you don't have zero cards in your hand then it dies as long as you have one card in your hand this starts off as a 2-2 two, two and only gets bigger from there so i actually like more than kind and quite a bit i think i think there's a lot of power here um I would be interested to see if there's any synergies out there that we missed in terms of putting cards on the bottom of your library. It's not like we're playing Granzo Dungeon Warden or anything. Um, yeah. So I'm sure there's something there, but the fact is you just get two cards. You get to draw at least one card and you get to filter your hand a little bit as well. This might be one of those things though where you, like let's say you have a Thassa's Oracle and that needs to be on the bottom of your library so you can put that down there so when you draw it at the very end of the game, you'll play it and then immediately win. 
Maybe, that, maybe that's why. Okay. Oh, thanks. 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 <laughs> All right. Okay. This next next up, fun. we have Tasha's hideous laughter. One blue blue for a sorcery. Each opponent exiles cards from the top of their library until that player has exiled cards with total mana value 20 or more. Okay. So this, I'd say at minimum is going to mill you like six, seven cards. Yeah. Because if you look at the, the ability with the mana cost or the mana value of the average commander deck, it's around three. You know, right. So three times seven cards would be 21. If they hit seven spells in a row. Now let's say that there is one land in between each of those cards. That's 14 cards now. The average, three is the average mana value of a deck, including lands. Oh, including lands? Okay. Yeah, so it, right. is, it is the average 21, 21 cards. Yeah, that's actually pretty good. Across, seven. Uh, se- yeah, times three, though, across the table, you get yeah. about 20 cards. Now, this does seem nice to me because you are exiling instead of milling. So that's like a pro and a con. Yeah. So uh, you tell me about the pros. The pro is obviously exiling cards is way better than just randomly dumping your opponent's cards into their graveyard. If there's at least one player that has graveyard synergies, you might be doing a disservice to the entire table because all of a sudden their crazy Carador deck just got powered up to the max because you just helped exile. Their Nethroi, uh, Apex, whatever, just got powered up because of what you did. So exiling stuff is nice. It doesn't give them the chance to ever touch it again from their graveyard. You are absolutely right. Uh, the one downside that I see is that uh, the biggest mill commander out there, Bruvac the Grandiloquent, uh, does not synergize with exiling cards, but does with milling cards. Oh, uh, what if it said each opponent mills cards from the top of the library and then they exile those cards instead? That would be vet better. But, but it, it does, does not. It does not say that indeed. No, 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 no. So this has to be in just dedicated mill decks. Is seven cards enough? I think you'd want to hit at least 10. But the fact that you're doing it to every single player, this might just be another addition into that deck, um, into the Persistent Petitioner's deck, whatever it is. Uh, it is nice, again, that you get to exile those cards. And that is a big, big upside, I think, especially as Graveyard Synergies just get more and more. Okay. Uh, Try it out in your mill decks and tell us how it performs. Let us know. Next up, we have Pixie Guide. One and a blue for a 1-1 fairy with flying. A 1-3, actually. Oh, sorry. One and a blue for a 1-3 fairy with flying. Grant an advantage. Hmm. If you would roll one or more dice, instead roll that many dice plus one and ignore the lowest roll. Okay, not bad. So again, this is another card that helps you double up on your rolls, but this time in blue. So... Great. Right. If we mentioned it for Barbarian class, we're going to mention it in blue too. If you're rolling dice, roll some dice. Roll some dice. All right. This next card I'm pretty excited about. It's called True Polymorph. Four blue blue for an instant target artifact or creature becomes a copy of another target artifact or creature. So instant speed, you get to change any artifact or creature on the board into another artifact or a creature. So you're excited about this, but to me, this feels like a lot of mana. You know, six mana is a lot. Trust me. I mean, if I just want to copy something, I feel like I can do that for two or three or four mana. Like I'll just clone your thing. Right. I think this is more of a gotcha type thing where Mm, if you're holding up the mana for stuff like Sublime Epiphany in your deck or like big draw spells, then maybe you can find a spot for True Polymorph because you got potentially you're going to blow someone out in combat. They're going, I'm going to swing at you with my commander. You're like, I'm going to turn it into a 1-1 and turn their blocker into a 3-3. Or their blocker is a 3-3. I'm going to turn yours thing into a 1-1. It's a copy of something else awful on the battlefield, and it's just going to eat it. Oh, I can see that. Like, you are you have a commander, and it's like, oh, your commander is is now a uh, signet. Yeah. 
and it's stuck like that. Just, just it can be a signet from here on out. Yeah, or you just right like that's great. That's that's removal on the spot. It can sometimes just blow out a combat, and I think it can also shut down some really problematic stuff, including Eldrazi. You know, someone if poor Ashlyn had her like a massive Eldrazi turned into a squirrel, she'd probably feel pretty bad about it. Nice thing, especially. Can I turn my squirrel into an Eldrazi? I'd rather do that. Yeah, I mean, you could go either way, right? But if someone's about to swing and hammer down at you, you do have some recourse. Uh, the cool thing about this is that, again, you do have the ability to do this to any artifact or creature, not non-token specifically. That's the sort of stuff I'm always looking out for. But six mana, that's tough. But do you know what? Now that you're mentioning it, it just feels like it can be very flexible. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just a boring removal spell or just a simple copy spell. It really is this tricky spell. And I think that in blue, having instant speed, tricky stuff is so on flavor. It works with the rest of your deck. Yeah. Like you mentioned, if you're holding up Sublime Epiphany and you need something to do, sometimes like this could be just one more trick in your book. Yeah, you can't stack these up too much, but I think this might be able to make the case for being a, an inclusion in that kind of deck. Not to mention, like, let's say you want to copy like a Great Henge. This allows you to do that too. Oh, I like that. I always like copying Great Henges. Yeah, I want a Great a Henge. Great card. All right, next up we have Wizards Spellbook. Five blue blue for an artifact. You can tap it and exile target instant or sorcery card from a graveyard. Roll a D20. Activate only as a sorcery. So when you roll that d20, you look at the number value on it, and a 1 to a 9, you get to copy that card, and you may cast the copy, okay? A 10 to a 19, copy that card, you may cast the copy by paying 1 rather than paying its mana cost. Not bad. And for a 20, for a crit, you get to copy each card exiled with Wizard's Spellbook. You may cast any number of the copies without paying their mana costs. Okay, so definitely play this with the Pixie Guide. But <laughs> even then, the thing that really stands out to me, this is a seven mana artifact? What? That's so expensive. Uh... And you only have a 50% chance of cheating costs. Right, you might have to pay full cost for that card if you're just copying it, and that's not going to feel great. But you mentioned the Pixie Guide. You know, if you mm-hmm. had a Pixie Guide, then you're 75% for cheating yeah, costs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think this card would be way, way better if it wasn't seven mana. It's hard to get a, going, huh? It's really hard to get going. But presumably by that point in the game, when you're casting seven mana cards, there's a lot of fuel in your graveyard. And the nice thing is you do get to choose the card when you do it. However, again, activate only as a sorcery. Ugh. Ugh. I know, right? That would be that pretty happens. great, too. Like if you just... I don't know, like a counterspell. You're just like, all right, counterspell. Let's roll the dice. Right. Um, here's the thing. It's expensive, it's clunky, but if you ever roll the 20, just like it's amazing. So that might be worth it enough. I'm sure that there are a ton of people that are going to slot this index because they want to put a ton of things underneath it. They want to roll that 20 and they want to just have this commander moment. You know what I mean? This big moment. And so that's where I think it's going to see a bit of play. They could also just play Mizzix's Mastery. (laughs) Okay. You're absolutely right. I mean, okay. if it's a blue red spell slingers deck, yeah. maybe you need both, but again, seven mana, it's But no, very you don't want to exile. I would I would not want to exile things from my graveyard if I have even another card out there that oh, can access them. Oh, I see. Yeah, like if yeah. Mizzix's Mastery is in my deck, I'm not exiling things with this staff. Ah, 
you know, I'm just, I'm just waiting for Mizzix's mastery point. to actually hit them all. Okay. All right, let's talk about our last blue card on the day. It is Yuan T. Malison. One in the blue for a creature snake rogue. A 2-1. Yuan T. Malison can't be blocked as long as it's attacking alone. And whenever Yuan T. Malison deals combat damage to a player, venture into the dungeon. 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 Now, quick breakdown. If you don't know what the dungeon is, there are three special cards released alongside Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. They all have different rooms in it. Every time you see a card that says venture into the dungeon, it means you go into the first room of any of those three. But if you're already in one, you move to the next room you decide the path you take any abilities on that room trigger when you enter it the dungeons are not inherently broken there's a lot of value tied to them uh, and there are a couple of decks uh, that are very much all about venturing into the dungeon itself this is a nice creature that can pretty reliably get you through the dungeon as long as it's the only one attacking but at the same time maybe there is someone that's open that you can attack with this and other stuff and just deal combat damage yeah i think this belongs in dungeon matters decks because on its own it might be harder to move through those really good dungeons Mm -hmm. but as part of a comprehensive plan to move through dungeons together this can move you through a couple rooms because you really need to get to those later rooms to start sealing seeing relevant value yeah, I, you know, I, you wrote down Tetsuko Umazawa, and I think that is a great card for a card like this because it, you know, you already have a bunch of unblockable stuff at that level, and maybe you do want to venture into the dungeon a bit more because notably these aren't these aren't tied together. It can attack with other people. It just needs to do combat damage to adventure into a dungeon, but you can almost you can almost guaranteed make it happen if it's attacking by itself, which is kind of cool. Which is cool because if you just want a two one, which is not a lot of decks, but there are some decks out there, maybe snake deck perhaps or a rogue mm-hmm. deck perhaps perhaps, or that, um, the Umazawa deck that I talked about, right. you know, just having a, Hey, scry one gain one life, you know, on your creature is not bad. So right. like this could just be fine without any other dungeon pieces in it, but you, then you really need that two one body and that narrows down the scope of the kinds of decks that want it. Yep. Uh, definitely check out Sephiris of the Hidden Way if you are looking for more creatures that will help you get through that dungeon a little bit more fast. Okay, that does it for blue. You know, fortunately, and maybe I'm being a little mean, fortunately, there aren't any... There's not much here that makes me go, oh, come on, wizards. Uh, I agree with you. I don't so think happy. that there's... Yeah, so you're happy about that, the I'm, fact that it's like... Red and white need help. We have so many cards coming out right now. If we just keep stacking blue and green with just the greatest stuff, they're never going to catch up. And we're going to be overwhelmed with so many cards, and I'm not going to want to build in those other colors as well. And I want decks in all the colors. Uh, I like when they make powerful things for narrow strategies, and yeah. I do think that we've seen that here. You know? Demi Lich is a great example of that. I think that's, a, that's right in the right world, and it's like, look, no non-blue deck is probably going to play this, or non-focused blue deck, and it's very specifically in Spells Matters decks. But it's powerful, and it's really cool, but it's not busted broken yeah it's not an auto include i want those in the red and white colors much less so than in blue and green and black so what do you think is your your sort of favorite card from all the ones that we talked about today so i obviously spoke a lot about you find some prisoners i'm really stoked on that card i would say my second favorite card would be zorn just a card that gets you more treasures. Treasure. That's a that's a narrow, it's a powerful card that works really well in very specific narrow strategies. Love it. And it solves a huge problem that mono red and red base decks have, which is just the inability to ramp uh, compared to other colors. And so I'm 100% willing to add in a major treasure sub-theme to my Rakdos deck or my mono red deck if I can play cards like Zorn, because that's going to net me a huge advantage. Like my Magda deck with Zorn Ooh. loves it. 
Great card. Did you pick Zorn because I chose as my favorite card you find some prisoners? <laughs> Maybe. You know, give a little bit of a uh, Oh my gosh. I, lo- here. I love playing with my opponent's decks. Like, it's really fun to be like, all right, uh, your deck. And then you anticipate off the, ooh, I found yeah. this. It's so nice. Uh, but then not having a cute card all the time that it's you're like, oh, get rid of that artifact. You know, mm-hmm, sometimes mm-hmm. you have this like fun card that interacts with your opponents, but then you sometimes need it to just do something really relevant. And yeah. that's why I love the dual modes on you find some prisoners. And I love stolen strategy, but it costs five mana and you have to wait a whole turn cycle before it triggers. You find some prisoners, you get to do it at instant speed, you have a decent amount of time to play it, and you get to choose between three cards, not just whatever's on top, which is pretty nice. nice. All right, what do you think is the most powerful card out of this set, DJ? Uh, I think that Hobgoblin Bandit Lord is one of the most powerful cards so far. I think that one fit into the most decks that we could just list off the top of our heads because it's such a popular strategy. Just any goblin deck. I mean, when you're talking about one of the most popular uh, tribes and you're talking about all of the lords that are out there tons of things to give plus one plus one if this is up there in competition for rank two or rank three you know some decks maybe it's rank one of the lords Mm -hmm. then that means that it just is powerful it belongs in a bunch of different decks and i think people are gonna die from this silly little goblin nice i'm gonna go out on the limb here and i'm gonna say true polymorph the six mana instant speed polymorph that can change an artifact or creature into another artifact or creature i'm gonna say that's the most powerful just because you don't see any of the typical words on there which is just like non-land permanent or non-token creature and the fact that it can go artifact to creature or creature to creature or creature to artifact is really exciting to me interesting okay i was i'm a little bit put off by its power by its uh mana cost and mm-hmm. think that that like brings the power level down but i'm excited to see what this thing can do yeah i'm really i this is one of those cards right that i when i get it i will put it into like two or three decks that can conceivably play it and just test it out and see how it works and then if I, a game i play a game and it doesn't show up i would ask myself was there any point where this card would have made a difference and if so is it a big enough difference for me to include it in the deck and keep it in there there we go so we're going to do some testing with this stuff and so are you out there let us know in the comments down below that's right tell us if we missed anything any combo synergies if we were totally wrong about something i know we had a couple of those complaints last time around uh i still stand by my dragon's rage channeler is is okay in like you know certain decks but it's it's not it's not it's not it's not amazing but we probably should have talked about it it's okay but yeah let us know if you have any comments like that in the comment section below and make sure you head on over to cardkingdom.com slash command zone if you want to pick up any of these cards today true polymorph i mean look you find some prisoners it's an uncommon buy enough of those to fit into every single red deck whereas i'm i'm calling it now in the same way that jessica's will was a card that i think you can put into every single deck that plays red you can as well for you find some prisoners that is a card to definitely buy off of cardkingdom.com slash command zone maybe you want the foil versions it's not going to be that expensive because it's an uncommon but it's definitely gonna be one of the chase uncommons i think of the set And Ultra Pro as well. If you want one of these sweet new playmats, you've got the Gelatinous Ooze. Gelatinous Ooze. You I've definitely got... want to play on top of the Gelatinous Ooze. It's so cool. Look at them. And you can see all the things oozing and being dissolved in there. It's really cool. Gelatinous uh, Cube, not Ooze. I'm so sorry. And I think I have a dragon. I love all the dragons. Ultra Pro makes the best playmats that match the art from the set. So make sure you pick that stuff up, especially if you're going to go to a local game store and support them during this time when everyone's sort of trying to relaunch into the world. All right. No end step today because we have so many set reviews. But we do have a cleanup step where we give a big thanks to our amazing team here at the Command Zone, which is Lady Danger, Manson Lung, Craig Blanchett, Ashlyn Rose, Alfred Estaca, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, Patrick Nan, Jordan Pridgen, Arthur Meadowcroft, Sam Waldo, Garov Galati, and special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer, who does the Living Card animations that start off our show on the channel. You can find them on Twitter at LivingCardsMTG. Okay, DJ, we have two more set reviews to go after this. Make sure you all check them out in the upcoming weeks and days. Lots of interesting cards here. And again, the first time Wizards have done anything like this. So I'm pretty stoked to see what else is out there.
yeah, can't wait to talk more about some cards. We'll see you all really soon. All right, everyone. Bye-bye. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> <laughs>